Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Murder Board Podcast. This is Civil Trials, the discussion show for the Murder Board Podcast. I'm your host, Walter, and tonight we are back, and I am joined with Shelton. Hello. And a not newcomer yet not so newcomer, Hector. Hello. Hector, you guys may recognize his voice from one of the many voices in that confusing murder train story from last year. But um, he's here to, on a Civil Trials episode because we needed new voices. Glad to be here. Yeah, glad to have you. <laughs> um, welcome to this little sideshow we do where we talk about useless movies that people normally don't like except me. But every like fourth or fifth show, everybody's like, oh, yeah, we like this. <laughs> useless movies are some of my favorite movies. Um, but, you know, uh, first off, Happy New Year, everybody. Uh, it's been a while. We are well into the month of January by this by the time this comes out. But, uh, you know, Happy New Year. Um, and it hasn't calmed down at all. Yeah. No, if, at, if you survive the Capitol, um, I'm sorry you're in jail. And um, <laughs> if <laughs> and um, if you're a football fan, congratulations. And um, I think that's about it. That's all that's going on right now. Um, I don't really pay attention to things that much. But, uh. You know what? Forget all that crap. We're back. We're we're continuing season three tonight. We are talking about the thing, the John Carpenter's The Thing from 1982. If you have not seen this movie, this is your spoiler warning. And if you have, I hope you enjoy the show. Um, the main reason we're doing this is because Shelton is a big fan of cosmic horror, and I'm not. So I decided to give him a whole <laughs> month to scream about it, since I took all of last year to scream about slasher movies. Yay, Walter got a year, I get a month. <laughs> That's how it works on this here podcast. So um, first first off, because uh, we're going to start with Hector here. Just tell us, do you know what cosmic horror is? Are you familiar with it or you're not? Cosmic like horror. Being... Horror from the cosmos. Aliens, yep. <laughs> creatures from beyond, inexplainable drama from the depths of space. That is what I would think it is. I don't. Did you clap? I <laughs> did what I did. <laughs> I feel like that's roughly, give or take, kind of accurate. Yeah, it's it's pretty much like I have the definition here, and I'm gonna read it. But I did. Are you? Do you like cosmic horror? Is that like your favorite subgenre of horror? Or if if the thing is cosmic horror, I I definitely enjoyed it. Um, I would watch more. Um. Looking at it, because I have it put up on my TV here. It says, customers who watch this item also watch. Would you consider the alien and say, like, alien versus predator? Is that sort of cosmic? Yeah. 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 Kind it, of sort it, yeah. Borderline. 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 It's borderline. It's like cosmic it's, light. Usually usually in cosmic horror, um, whatever it is is very unexplained. And mm. kind of like with the thing, the fact that, like, as you're going through, you're learning about it and you're extremely confused, just like everyone is. You're learning experiencing about it, it is. but they don't fully dive into it either. Yeah, yeah. and it, that's I, what makes it so terrifying, like in the thing, where the thing's constantly shape-shifting and, and assimilating other people. Like, you don't know who the threat is or what the threat's going to come at you in the form of. And that's more yeah. of a cosmic horror feel. With Alien, yeah. it gets it gets that because you don't understand the xenomorph, really, if, if you're first-time watcher or something like that, but... It's also very blatantly one thing coming at you for the most part. 
Yeah, I feel like we're going to be talking about Alien a lot on this podcast because I was like, this feels like Alien. I love Alien, but yeah, that is the main difference. And I think that's why I turn off. I, I, I hate Cosmic Horror if I haven't said it enough. Uh, it is because I I do need things to be explained in some way, shape, or form. Uh, abstracts just don't work well for me, especially in horror movies, unless it's more of a psychological thing. Like, I don't know. Like, for me, space is already, like, you know, you got to find it's not terrifying. It's, terrifying. it's, just... it's terrifying. No, we did a whole you podcast on Star Wars. That does not scare me, sir. That does not scare me. <laughs> I mean, okay, so if you were to name a contemporary cosmic horror, what would you name? Um, from what I've seen, a contemporary cosmic horror movie would probably be I, don't, I haven't seen a lot. I know one people always bring up is Annihilation, which we will do later on in this series yeah, as well. I haven't seen it. I haven't it seen it either. Um, yeah, I wouldn't count Alien or Predator because most of the movies in, the, in both those franchises is explaining what it is. Yeah, like, it much. takes, mm-hmm. like, four movies. You know, I love Alien because it takes, like, you know, five movies to explain what the the hell the xenomorph is i love prometheus i love alien covenant because it's always like you know this is evolved from humans and yet you know it's it's it has a a you know it has a roadmap you can follow but and i i'll get into if i like the thing or not later but you know cosmic horror and lovecraft <laughs> and all that it's all very like and it's it's, it's all indescribable and i hate that it's like just tell me what it is don't just tell me like you know people go blind from looking at it same the problem I have. of the universe can't be explained. <laughs> no, 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 no. I say fuck that. Explain it to me, goddammit. If you can't explain it, don't use it. But that's just me. How, how do you explain something beyond human comprehension? Nothing should be beyond human comprehension. Why? So okay, why should... By, by leaving things unexplained and you not liking leaving things unexplained, what about interpretations done by the watcher and or reader well you know, that if we were I, to leave things as a mystery because they don't well, yeah, know shit i can go with that like i can go with you know the reader and the the watcher the audience interpreting i i encourage interpretation you know we'll talk one of my favorite movies is hereditary all you can do is interpret that movie um i love you know we interpreted a bunch of movies i love interpretation but when it comes to cosmic horror it's always like I feel like the goal of Cosmic and Lovecraft is that you you show people this thing and then tell them it's not what they think it is because it's so, you know, mind-blowingly beyond horrifying. I'm like, no, that looks like a, a giant rat to me. They should leave confused. No. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, whole, the whole point, though, is that, right, it might be seemingly be something, but it's so much more than whatever it is you're looking at. So you can explain it away by calling it a giant rat monster thing, but that's not really getting in depth to, as to that's what That's not really it what it is. Yeah. Like, you know. And, yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we. <laughs> another. I mean, another example is Pennywise from It. Like, I was so. I don't know if we discussed it on our Stephen King episode, but. And I know if St. Vanna hears it, she's going to, like, slap me through a phone. <laughs> but. The reason that I can't get with Pennywise completely, at least in It Chapter Two, is because they do go for that cosmic. It came from space, and it's just two, it's just three floating dots in a circle swirling around. But it literally is. (laughs) And that for me sucks. I kind (laughs) of killed it for me too. I'm not gonna lie. 
Yeah, like, you know, if you give me a shape-shifting monster clown, that's all I need. It feeds off of fear. Don't tell me it's a shapeless being from space. See, I think in it specifically, it doesn't work the best. If it was used in a different setting or in a different way, I'd say, instead of it being like a clown the entire time, it switches like in a thing to many different things. Or like in the book. Yeah, in the book, it switches from different things. But, you know, for marketing purposes, Pennywise's note, you know, it's a a scary clown. People people flock to that. I think So from the get-go, from the book, it is cosmic horror. Yeah. Well, it's it's it's, it's, like thing from space, is it not? In in Pennywise, in the book, is slow. It, it kind of flows just like the movie. It's slowly revealed, except it's gonna cut out. Like when you're in the adult storyline, which is like intersected in between the kid stuff, they figure out that hey, a bunch of Indians or shamans or whatever have a theory that this thing comes from space. And then during the big battle at the end, it is this big old cosmic giant turtle fighting this shapeless swirling three dots thing and the only way to defeat it is by like i think one of the kids like bites the tongue of the of pennywise and it kind of falls down or something like that and then they all have group sex so like it's it's that that is where they kind of lose me <laughs> but in the book it, it starts off as just shape shifting into people's fears and then as they when they get to the adult section it's like all right let's figure out how to explain this or let's just choose not to by going the whole lovecraft route yeah but you know th- yeah. we're not talking about it chapter two we're talking about the <laughs> thing guys yeah before we go to break i do want to you know let's go through the definition here so you know shelton kind of explained it when i looked it up the actual definition is you know what is cosmic horror cosmic horror is a literary horror subgenre created by hp lovecraft who himself described it as weird fiction cosmic horror generally explores the insignificance of human existence when compared to the vast universe also nicknamed Lovecraftian horror, so it's the same thing. The stories, uh, gener- yeah, the stories generally explore the themes through familiar characters or entities, such as the Great Ones, a set of destructive godlike figures that exist outside the realm of human comprehension. The discovery of these figures thrust the characters into a Lovecraftian horror story, into a place where they must confront the brutality and utter insignificance of their lives. So that in of itself explains why I hate it, and I assume that explains why Sheldon loves it. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. I mean, it's like, what do you do when you realize that everything in your life has been pretty much meaningless because this thing can just, like, want you to, or not even want you to be gone, but, like, as though you're an ant on the sidewalk, just kind of step on you on accident and you're dead. Just wipes you out of existence without <laughs> yeah. thought. And that like, to oh, me, too, like, you're gone. <laughs> And that, for me, doesn't nece- it doesn't necessarily scare me. It does provide an existential crisis, but it doesn't scare me. It just it just like annoys me. It's like how who are you to tell me I'm just a speck in the universe? What if you know? I don't know. It's just imagine, me. Imagine you have God in front of you, or something so much more powerful than you than it could be godlike, and okay, it's yeah. just like, hey, I want you dead, or I'm gonna wipe out all of the human race. <laughs> And, and like in Prometheus, possibly stop it. And like in Prometheus, I will sit down with that god or god figure and make a bar- make a bargain. I would like to, like that's the thing though. Like I can imagine up till that point, but when they start going to like, and they just want to kill you just because it's like no 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 no. They were intelligent enough to create me or create whatever they created. We're gonna Walter, sit down and talk about it. 
Walter, if you had a face-to-face confrontation with the thing, what would you even do? Oh, I would die. burn it. <laughs> this movie you would showed me. Personally, no, no, no. I personally I don't think they let it burn long enough the fir- in mm-hmm. the first encounter. You have to burn it down to a molecular level. If there's any part of it that survives, it'll become its own entity and it can assimilate something else. You know what? Just being the being the black guy throughout this entire movie rewatching, I was like, why don't they just run? Like, I don't care. Isn't there new, another base nearby? Just run. Just go. Just no, like, there's no other base nearby. <laughs> Take a snowmobile. Okay, so once that one dude, I forget what was his name, um, the dude who ran the calculations of how quick it could take over the world it was like 75,000 or like 70 or 40,000 hours after it um reaches a highly populated city dude that guy i'm surprised he didn't actually kill everyone knowing that information oh you're talking about the guy that went crazy yeah because he yeah because you know he knows that information like if anyone like yeah you could just leave but i mean like I would just. What if what if his blood is like on you? You know. True, true. You could be that bridge that contaminates the world. Plus, like, if it gets out into civilization, then everyone's kind of fucked. So it's gonna get you eventually. True. All right. Like there is no running away from it, really. So let's dig into Lovecraft for a minute here, because this guy. Uh, all right, just a little background. H.P. Lovecraft is, or Howard Phillips Lovecraft, was an American writer born in the early 1800s in Providence, Rhode Island. Lovecraft is mostly famous for his creation of the Mithulu mythos, as Shelton hinted at earlier. His most famous stories include The Call of Cthulhu, The Rats in the Wall, At the Mountains of Madness, which we will touch on later in this series. I heard that was uh, so good. I've heard good things too. Uh, the Shadow Out of Time, The Color of Space, which has been remade many times. The re- the most recent with Nicolas Cage, actually. And really? uh, yeah, I I think he did a movie called Color of Space. But yeah. Oh. Um, and just okay, yeah, that, that's pretty much all. I thought I had more, but that's all. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's this is most famous stuff. H.P. Lovecraft. Um, have you guys ever read any of his stuff? Or like listen to a story from it. Not in a long time. Can't say that I have specifically. I I remember attempting to read something and I got really just irritated by it. And I was like, well, I'm done. (laughs) His his writing is very convoluted. (laughs) It is very weird. Like, it's very like, what? I got lost immediately, like 10 pages in. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to just go something else. It's the type of thing you have to like read and then really, really analyze it afterwards and then read it again. Yeah, you know, you know, look, people out there who know me, I love analyzing. If I put the book down, you know it was tough. Um, yeah. so yeah, <laughs> that's all I had. Uh, last last thing before we go to break here, John Carpenter. Me and Sheldon talked about John Carpenter, the director, when we did Halloween. Uh, one of the most famous directors ever. He's still ki- living and kicking. I love his stuff. I think he's very inspirational. The reason we're we're doing the thing is because the thing is actually the first of a trilogy of movies that is titled the Apocalypse Trilogy, which is a series of films based on cosmic horror and the entities unknown to man and their threats on both human lives and his sense of self. The thing was followed by the Prince of Darkness, which we will do next week in 1987 and in the mouth of madness, which, you know, 
based on Mountain of Madness in 1994. All three of these movies were heavily influenced by uh, Carpenter's appreciation for the works of Lovecraft. Um, he, I can say in all of his movies, um, he has incorporated that, the sense of the greater other in all of his movies. You know, we can go back to Halloween. The reason I love Halloween is because, well, mainly it's because it's about virginity. But, you know, okay. Michael Myers... <laughs> But Michael Myers does represent the the other. He's called the shape. He's this undefined thing. Uh, But the reason I can go with that is because it's on a psychological level. Same with uh, Christine, the Stephen King story about the car. It's a psychological coming of age type of thing going on there about virginity. And uh, (laughs) but it's not me. It's the freaking movies. But uh, yeah, you know, Chris. (laughs) Christine, um, another John Carpenter movie I love that doesn't have to do with virginity, but it's, I think it's more of like a middle age <laughs> thing. It doesn't, but uh, you know, Big Trouble Little China. Uh, I'm trying to think of all of his movies, but I can't. But he's done a lot, so I love John Carpenter. I we will discuss if I love the thing or not, but I like this director. <laughs> so uh, well, <laughs> he's like, I love the thing, but it didn't really have subtext on virginity, and that's a little <laughs> off. That's the mark for me. <laughs> Not recommended. <laughs> Would have been a little better with it. I mean, hey, the guy knows how to tell a story. So we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to go through some facts, and then we're going to talk about the actual movie. Let's go, Bennings. i got to get some sleep. Time to finish it with a look and sound and acted just like Benny's. I don't know what you're saying. That was one of those things out there trying to imitate him, Gary. All right, so we're back. We're gonna, I'm gonna go through some facts about the thing. It was released June 25th, 1982. So weird for this to be a winter movie in the middle of summer. 
Um, it was directed by John Carpenter, story by John W. Campbell, screenplay by Bill Lester. The film stars Kurt Russell, Keith David, Wilford Brimley, and a bunch of other bearded dudes. And <laughs> the plot goes like this. In remote Antarctica, a group of American research scientists are disturbed at their base camp by a helicopter shooting at a sled dog. When they take in the dog, it brutally attacks both human beings and canines in the camp, and they discover that the bees can assume the shape of its victim. A resourceful helicopter pilot, played by Kurt Russell, and his camp doctor, Richard Dysart, lead the camp crew in a desperate, gory battle against the vicious creature before it picks them off one by one. The film's budget was $15 million. The film's box office was $19.6 million. This movie... (laughs) I find this hilarious. This this movie did terrible, by the way. People did not like this movie oh. when it came out. No one went to go oh. see it. But the reason why is because the film came out just weeks after E.T. and the same oh. week as Blade Runner. Thus, this movie failed yeah. greatly at the box office. But it became a, give, a cult hit. I get Blade Runner beating it out, but E.T., are you fucking getting me? Like, E.T. is great and all, but E.T., are you fucking getting me? <laughs> no, no, no. Spielberg hit the jackpot when he did E.T. People loved that movie. Uh, you know, little little Drew Barrymore and the guy from that's in every one of those uh, Mike Flanagan projects. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, that ET was huge. I'm a big fan. I can oh, see why it did poorly when it first released. I mean, like ET, that's just hard to compete against. That's like a kid. <laughs> Yeah, like it had everybody in tears. A movie not about virginity. It's actually about divorce. But well, I digress. That's surprising. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Moving forward, the thing actually has an extensive history. Um, so this this entire franchise all goes all the way back to 1938. The uh, the thing comes from the novella by John W. Campbell by the name of Who Goes There. Um, have you guys read this original book or heard of it? No. Uh, no. I've always known about it, but I've never read it up until like earlier this week before watching the movie. Um, well, by read, I mean I listened to it on Audible, and it's it's, it's very <laughs> short. It's very short. It was only like two hours, and it's it's pretty close to the movies, which I'll get to. It's pretty close, except um, it's a lot of debating and um, a lot of, like, quick deaths. Like, it's just kind of like, oh, and that guy's dead. Oh, oh, that guy's dead, too. What should we do now? Oh, that guy's dead. And it's it's it, it's a lot more science. Um, but after that, uh, after I guess the book was a success or not. Well, it really wasn't a book. It was just more of a, a short story. But the first thing to come out of this franchise was The Thing from Another World in 1951. I have seen this movie multiple times. Do I recommend it? No. Um, well. <laughs> it's a it's a 1950s movie, so you know it's less action and more of just people standing around like talking really weirdly as they debate what to do um it's very bloodless and the alien is a walking carrot (laughs) (laughs) um yeah it is it's extremely weird yeah it's it's not it's weird it's and again i've seen it so many times but um just because it was on tv but like it's it's not even like you know i like old movies but this one's not even that good it's it it it, i don't even know it's it it does the book justice by having it be all about debating, but it, they kind of the the alien the alien in the book is also described as vegetational rather than organic, which is something that 
they changed for the movies later on. So in the nineteen fifty one movie, they were like, "Well, let's just get carrot costumes." And I love, I love the fact that the way they decide, uh, there's a lot more women in the movie too. But the way that they decide to get rid of the alien is like, "Well, if it's if it's basically a vegetable, let's just cook it." And the women literally uh, just like, <laughs> like they burn it, but they more wow. like they don't really burn it; they kind of like boil it. Like it's a giant carrot boiling at the end of the movie, and it's hilarious. <laughs> Amazing. Um, after that, we have. The movie we're talking about today, 1982, The Thing, John Carpenter, he made a more darker, more Lovecraftian-inspired, more truer to the book event-wise. And uh, this movie did not do well, but it became a cult favorite, and now people love it. Uh, we're we're going to talk about it. Um, and then after that, we have The Thing from 2011. Um, this is a this was marketed as a remake slash reboot because at the time there was a lot of those. Um yeah. and I remember when this movie came out. Do you guys remember this movie coming out? Yeah. Personally, no. I don't think I've heard it when it came out. Yeah. Twenty twenty eleven was a weird year for movies, so I don't blame you if you haven't heard about it. I remember seeing commercials and stuff about it, but I don't think I watched it until much later. But uh I, I rewatched it after watching the the original one here and i was like you know this is actually pretty good uh i know people don't like it but i i think yeah. it's a genuinely good movie uh it is more cgi rather than practical i think that's the main that's reason. a big that's a big part of it because the the practical effects and the thing we're talking about now is it looks incredible they were yeah, phenomenal. It, yeah it's great the yeah the 2011 movie is more it is a lot more CGI, but I think it's well acted. I think it's it it it. I hate jump scares, but it got me several times, and that pretty much sold it on me. It is more Alien though. Like it feels more like the first Alien movie. You got the the female protagonist. You got all these dudes who pretty much die one by one, <laughs> and you got all this Alien. Like the Alien morphs. They find the thing in the ice. Yeah, yeah. The there's a lot of stuff with teeth actually. But um, the, I yeah I recommend it. Um, I I don't think we'll do it on the podcast because it's just basically the same movie. But um, uh, do you guys want to know the spoiler about the movie or no? Two thousand eleven. Yeah. Dude, give me all the spoilers. <laughs> all right. If you if you're listening to this and you haven't seen the twenty eleven version or don't know about it, you can skip ahead like fifteen seconds. But um, the big reveal about the 2011 movie is that it's actually a prequel. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it's the Norwegian base. So you see how all the, you know, in this movie, we see all the bodies and everything. Uh, you see yeah. how all of that comes. You see how how they find the spaceship. You see them cut the thing out. You see them in the block of ice. And then the thing gets out. It gets, like, melted. And then it, it, it attacks people. Um, and it kind of just shows you where the movie literally ends the way this movie begins with the dog running towards the base in the helicopter. Um, I liked it again. I think it has is well acted. It's Mary Elizabeth Winstead. If you guys know her, she played, um, I think what's her name? Ramona in, uh, Scott Pilgrim. Is that her name? With oh, the hair. really? Her? It's yeah, her. She yeah. Was, yeah. She was also in, uh, Cloverfield, uh, Lane. 10 yes. Cloverfield Lane. Yeah, yeah. I love that movie. She's she's a she's a modern day she's scream a, queen. Yeah. She was in she's in Black Christmas. She's done a lot of movies. Uh, Clo- yeah, Cloverfield Lane, a, a lot a lot of stuff. One last thing about the thing is that we're not done with seeing the thing because in January yep. of 2020, 
Blumhouse announced that they were developing a thing reboot after the yeah. success of Halloween 2018. Wow. Don't fuck it up, Blumhouse. I swear to God. I don't have. I used to have faith in it, and now I don't because I sat oh. through two horrible movies. Well, I sat through one, <laughs> and I skipped the other one. But um, I. I get why Blumhouse is doing this because Halloween was a good movie and it did it made a lot of money. They immediately made two sequels back to back, but now they're trying to suck up every horror thing they can and they keep getting it wrong. But um, yeah, Black Christmas 2019, and eh. but you know they had a second chance with Craft Two. I didn't watch it, but I heard it's bad. So and eh. and what are they gonna? <laughs> But they got a whole lot of stuff coming out. I can't remember any names, but I know the thing was announced uh, around the time Black Christmas came out or after it like, was in theaters and did horrible. So do I have faith in it? No. <laughs> but um, I do think I based on what they've done so far, I think I know where they're going to go, which is an all female version. So oh. are we going to get more shoehorn politics? Probably. Most but, likely. John Carpenter is supposed to be like really involved as because he was heavily involved in Halloween. But those those movies get a pass because they were done by fans. Blumhouse is doing this for money. Uh, my thing is, it's probably going to fail at the box office, too, because I don't even think anyone really knows or cares about the thing that's under the age of 30. Besides us. Oh, ouch. <laughs> but, um. Yeah, you know, it's 2021. We we literally disrespected the entire government not too long ago, so I think we're off the hook for a while. <laughs> for a while. For a while. Get out of jail free card. Yep. Plus, I mean, who listened to this? Anyway, uh, okay, so yeah, we're finally going to take a break. Enjoy this trailer for The Thing 1982, and we'll be right back. Let's talk about the thing. 
but not your thing. We're talking about the thing, John Carpenter's the thing, but not his thing, the thing from 1982. Uh, let's talk about the thing. First off, did you guys like this movie? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I enjoyed watching it. It was really good. Same. Uh, I've seen this movie many times. Shelton, was this your first time watching it? Yeah, it was my first time watching it all the way through. What about you, Hector? Uh, it was my first time consciously watching this movie. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Take that as you will. And we shall. Um, yeah, this is like my umpteenth time watching it. Uh, I don't remember the first time I've watched this original movie, but it's, it's a good one. Let's, let's start off talking about the, the Lovecraftian aspects of this movie. So, like I said before, it was, it's heavily inspired by Lovecraft in the way that it looks, in the way that the thing acts and move and all the tentacles everywhere and the fact that it it is a shapeless undescribable thing that we don't really get a lot of information on so i want to start off by asking you guys what did you think of the actual alien and like once you know during this whole entire movie i love the fact that it was uh kind of just like a blob at first like the first impression was just kind of that after that dog scene you know yeah and how the fact that it was a blob and the first encounter with it was just like a dog head attached to a giant blob that was undefined in terms of what it was. Yeah. And, you know, they torch it and you think it's dead. You know, you're like, oh, it might be dead. It might not be dead. Everything's kind of just left in the air. And so, like, what the hell is really going on at the base? Like, like oh, shit. And then I think that it was like not too long afterwards that the doctors, like, you know, doing the computer stuff. And he sees all that data about how soon, how like the probability of someone being infected with it is like 75%. And it's only been like 10 minutes. So I like the fact that it's undefined. Like, you know, just the fact that it's a blob. Yeah. It's just a shape shifting thing. What about you, Shelton? What do you think about the thing, the titular thing about in this movie? I love how. Like he said, it's it's like a blob. The true form of it is we no one knows what it is. We don't. They don't. Well, so like, like I said, threat. in the book, it's it's vegetational, like a carrot. So. So either way it goes, it's organic organic material. But yeah. the thing is, that doesn't answer anything. Yeah. But I love how undefined it is to the point where it, the threat can come from any direction, and every time you see whatever it is that is posing a threat it's this weird perverted take on an established form that we know and it's fucking terrifying (laughs) yeah i definitely like the thing you know i like i said i like this movie um the thing to me is interesting in the fact that it doesn't necessarily have a form i do like the fact that it decided to hide the dog first um, oh, man. <laughs> which does get explained in that 2011 movie, which is, again, hilarious that it was like, well, last-ditch effort, dog. And, uh, but yeah, just for people out there, you know, just so we can follow along here, the movie starts with, uh, the movie actually starts in space with the spaceship, I don't, know, which I totally forgot it did. I was like, oh, okay, we're, we're in space here. And I'm a guess I'm I'm a guessing that the spaceship falls down and we find out it's been there for years. But the movie really starts mm-hmm. off with the helicopter chasing this dog and it's these Norwegian guys and you know classic John Carpenter synth theme music where it's just 
heartbeat noises and uh yeah i do like that i like i like when a movie takes place during the snow too like it just looks great yeah one of my one of my favorite movies is uh the hateful eight because of that very reason it's a good aesthetic Mm -hmm. yes and it's so it's so like blinding yet it looks like never ending which i guess would fit with this the theme of this movie too i love it in um like as a setting in hordes just because it really shows that feeling of isolation yeah like you it, can't you can't just run away and go live out in the wilderness you're gonna freeze to death yeah, i was gonna like, say it's kind of a, a contradicting because you see white and you think of you know purity and cleansliness you know but then here comes this thing that's in the eyes that you don't know anything about and it's suddenly very thing. dark contradictory towards the color white if you ask me Yes, I like that take on it. It, it is very contradictory and I- ironic. And I, I'm right. I, I'm glad you said that because now I'm thinking like, oh my god. Um, but yeah, if you're snow- not safe in the daytime, you're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean like, yeah, snow is a good aesthetic for a horror movie. People have been trying to get Jason uh, in the snow for a long time, but uh, which would probably work really well. But um, yeah, I like it. Um, let the beginning of this movie. I I have so many questions. First off, Kurt Russell. Do you guys know of him? <laughs> Not really. Mm, no. But uh, there's some specifics I should know. Is he? What is he no. famous for? Uh, he was famous <laughs> for this movie. He's he's done a lot of John Carpenter movies. Uh, Escape from New York is one of them. Um, I think Snake Plissken is based on him actually. Uh, or Solid Snake is, is that the, is that the name? Metal Gear Solid. Yeah, I think that's what he's based on, which is Kurt Russell's character Escape oh, from New York. Oh, Solid Snake. Okay. I think because I think the character in Escape from New York is named Snake Plissken. So oh, he plays yeah. McGreedy. Yeah, he plays McGreedy. Um, oh. he's in Hateful Eight. He's the guy that's carrying around the girl in the shackles. Um, oh. I'm trying to think what else he's in. He's done a lot. I think he's Santa right now on Netflix. Um, <laughs> he's 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 a pretty big dude. Uh, they live. He's in that movie too. He's done a lot of John Carpenter stuff. Um, Are I can't think of. Yeah, yeah, he plays Peter Quill's dad. That's who I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah, Peter Quill's dad is yeah, his. Oh, yeah. Okay. Damn. All right. Mr. Yeah. Big Shot. Yeah, Mr. I want to destroy the world, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Or what, no, he really wanted to destroy the world. He was kind of like killing kids in that movie, which if you think about it, it was like, wow. Fuck them kids. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I love the fact that we meet Kurt Russell and he's playing this old computer game and then decided to murder it after he lost. Like, you know, me in a nutshell. He just pours a drink down it and then just fries it. And oh, that's dude, that was one of my favorite parts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, that was pretty good. He's like, oh, fuck this computer. Like, dude, as if it doesn't cost <laughs> thousands of dollars. Okay. Like, who's funding this goddamn trip you're on? <laughs> Come on now. Yeah, yeah. Which, I didn't write it down, but I think it's pretty self-explanatory. There, there are a bunch of, like, scientists in the middle of nowhere, and they're just kind of just doing scientist stuff. But like and I said... Someone's then, giving them money to do the science stuff. And he yeah. just pours he a drink. He just a computer because he lost the game. That's, all, that's, that's what I thought about at first. I was like, well, 
respect, but I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Finishing it off with it was a, a good comedic relief moment before there was even any release. Yeah, man. Like, because this movie kind of goes like intense. This movie gets intense really quickly. And I love the part where the Norwegians are like in the helicopter and they're chasing the dog down. And it's like, I feel like a low key like theme of this movie is like the language barrier or just miscommunication because due to language barrier, the dog gets away and a man gets shot in the leg <laughs> and then a guy gets shot in the head. And that's like five minutes into this movie. And it's like, wow, okay, then we're going straight to it. My question for you guys was, what would you do in this situation? <laughs> You guys are animal lovers, so what would you do if you were just a guy was chasing a dog, trying to shoot it, and, you know, you, you guys do the whole standoff thing like they did in this movie? Would you, would you do the same thing? Would you keep the dog and shoot the guy in the head, or... Nah, fuck it, shoot that dog. We're out in the middle of the... I'm sorry I love dogs, but fuck. No. Part of me... We're out in the middle of nowhere. Part of me wants to say that I would resolve to, uh to drawing somehow like depict through drawing that <laughs> and they need to murder this dog because <laughs> like i feel like i mean they what they did isn't out of the realm of possibility for you know people see someone trying to hurt a dog, an animal they would protect the animal animal they would protect the animal but yeah, yeah you gotta why are they shooting the animal yeah i would ask questions you know first saying? Me personally, I would ask <laughs> it, questions. It's really funny inside. that we would protect the dog over like another one of our species. Yeah, that's and again, it's that's why I can't logically like I wouldn't logically be able to like pick the dog take just sides, because dog. we're we're out we're out in the middle of nowhere. The dog provides nothing to us besides like companionship. Everything well, is, is suspicious unless it's not. I think we could try to talk about it, but <laughs> the dog might have to go, sadly. Yeah. I think I speak for the black community when I say if we see a dog bigger than our hip, we would run. So <laughs> that automatically gave me my answer. I was like, yep, yeah, nope. That's a big old husky. Part of uh, me would, would want to, to help them in shooting the dog. Because I don't know why they're shooting the dog, but I know that they're shooting the dog, and they have to have a good reason to shoot the yeah, dog. Yeah, if you got in a helicopter to shoot a, to shoot a dog, I'm assuming the dog That's just a Paris. damn dog. Yeah, 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 you know, like, that's just a dog, but somehow I probably don't want to get near it. Yeah, well, that that one may have. really loved the dogs, man. <laughs> yeah, well, then again, just like, put the dog in the kennel. And it was like, oh, so they don't really even need the dog. They just kind of just were protecting It's just it. a friend, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh. It was just ape need best friend, ape find dog. It yeah. could be for hunting, but it's like, I don't know what you're going to hunt out there. True. I, again, they're scientists. They're not like, you know. No, eat the dog. <laughs> they're not PETA. I just. Um, uh, about that. <laughs> Let's <laughs> not get into fucking PETA, Christ. <laughs> Fuck PETA. Shifting <laughs> over to one of my favorite characters that seem like they just kind of disappear in this movie. But one of my favorite things is just the weirdness of this movie at the beginning here. Like, we got this this guy, Niles, who's, like, the kitchen cook. Yeah, he's running around in, like, roller skates. <laughs> hilarious oh, yeah. Uh, he, he's also playing uh, on the, the big old boombox he has. He's playing Superstition by Stevie Wonder. Great song. But, you know, Superstition, 
it, it it goes with the theme of this movie about you know things are suspicious people become suspicious of each other and there's also an alien running around um and then we get introduced to uh dr copper who i wish his name was dr pepper but he's the old (laughs) yeah he's the old guy that's running around with kurt russell they decide to try to figure out where the dog came from and the i think what the helicopter explodes and they realize they're just like filled with like tanks and uh of like gas and stuff yeah so they decide to go to the norwegian base and it's a complete mess what you guys think when you saw them like go to this base and it's like whoa what happened here um, I was like, hell no. Nah. Oh, fuck no. <laughs> Immediate sus. No, yeah. No trust at all. Like, that's a little bit sus, man. You gotta have to go with that. I was surprised how fast they found it, too. It was like, I don't know how, I think it's... it's Dude, I thought like, it was really funny when they were flying back, because it looked like, kind of just like a cutout. Yeah. <laughs> Did anyone else think that? Because it, yeah. it just kind of looked like... Like, there was just a background, and they just took a cutout of a helicopter and just... Mm. <laughs> I did It was just, like, very too. very point A to point B very quickly. Yeah. In, like, one scene. Like, I don't, I don't know. It was very odd. What cracked me up is that I didn't notice that they took a body back with them. I was like, wait, what? They just, they just like, all right, well, let's take one of these back with us. Let's get that one. <laughs> let's just examine <laughs> it. Just in case. Yeah. And then the guy later on, he was like, well, we need to do an autopsy stat. And everybody's looking at each other like, an autopsy? What are you talking about? And they all just kind of leave him in the room by himself. And I was like, ah. Horrible idea. Yeah. But, uh, so yeah, they, they go to the Norwegian base and there's all this, like, I love the way it looks. All the, like, bodies and blood and, like, there's it's still smoking because it was just set on fire. And... <laughs> Like everything was completely just messed up and nasty, and it's and they they have no reaction whatsoever. <laughs> um, I think they they find like the big old block of ice, which where the the titular thing comes from, but no one puts it together so much, so it's too late. And yeah, I, it's just surprising that no one was asking more questions. Yeah, yeah like true. they're scientists, shouldn't they be asking more questions? I, well, then again, I would be terrified. Very set in their beliefs, so it's like they don't believe anything that's beyond comprehension to what they know for some reason. Or it's like so they it's, can't even comprehend it, so there's just nothing going on up there. Exactly. Yeah, man. But they're um, too afraid to think what the possibility could be. They they quickly find out when the dog decides when they put the dog in the the pen with the other dogs and it just decides to just thing out right there. Uh, what do you guys think of that scene? Because that's like one of my favorites. I love those them. dogs got fucked. <laughs> I love how one dog was just biting the cage and trying to get out. Dude, yeah, like chocolate, dude. He was biting through it like nothing. He was like, nope, 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 nope. And then uh, one dog just like sprayed, or I think it's the same dog, but like in the middle of the transfer, it just sprays this dog, and I'm like, ew. She's a squirter. Oh no! <laughs> we got more Lovecraft stuff going on with all these tentacles everywhere, and it's just <laughs> this thing is nasty looking. I, normally, I would be like, "Oh, that's cool," but this thing is gross. It's just goo everywhere. It splits its face, I think, and it's just a lot. <laughs> it, it's a lot to handle, and. I, <laughs> I like how he was like, get the flamethrower. Like, yep, yeah, that, that's the first thing I would do, too. The flamethrower makes a movie just 
even better. We should do more flamethrowers in movies, honestly. 100. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It would bring a lot of those superhero movies down to about an hour. <laughs> oh fuck! <laughs> Can you imagine, <laughs> Captain America? We oh no! Just <laughs> <laughs> Tropic Thunder ends in 30 minutes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Man, Rocky. <laughs> Just imagine Rocky. Nitro uh, really adds a good aspect to, to this type of movie. You know, the, the cosmic horror genre. Cosmic horror flamethrower genre. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like if you have something you can't put down with a flamethrower after, like, cooking it, then uh, there's an issue. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they use a they use a flamethrower in uh, Alien or Aliens, and it doesn't work. Alien, Alien. yeah, Ripley has a flamethrower. Yeah, it 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 didn't work though, so that's Any, the kind oh, of like. Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> Anything from space, I'm gonna want to immediately uh, attempt to destroy with a flamethrower. It's like yeah. choice A. First thing. Going for. You have a gun, a banana, and a flamethrower. What are you grabbing? A banana. Go. <laughs> <laughs> you need potassium and all that. Yeah. Can't have a <laughs> using the flamethrower. Man, a banana thrower would be awesome too. <laughs> a t-shirt. Two of one. <laughs> t-shirt cannon. It's just a banana. Um. So. Like Hector said, everyone's way too calm about this dog just kind of splitting hairs and escaping through the ceiling, and they're trying to figure out what to do, but all the dogs are dead. <laughs> and the alien just kind of starts shape-shifting and imitating the other people, or they find that out very quickly through, through the cells that the doctor like just, like examined or whatever. They did not social distance quick enough. Yeah, I was, <laughs> I was like, hey, this seems like now with the whole COVID stuff, and they're like, what do you do with the disease? You got a cord. Like, I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> they, they found out way too late how to determine whether or not you were contaminated. Yeah, they were like, um, what did they say? They were, um, I forgot how they differentiated it, but, oh no, the blood test. The blood test is how uh, they did it. Uh, the heat to the blood. Yeah, but someone got to the blood first and destroyed all their chances of survival. <laughs> which i thought was pretty funny um they do go and visit the spaceship though how'd you got or they they through the video that the norwegians left they find out that there was a spaceship uh what you guys think about this when you saw them standing in the circle and the whole spaceship thing going on there uh it was cool but like it, it gave me big alien vibes with the whole like guys clearly you don't want to be there <laughs> It makes me question how, what form this, uh, this alien, quote-unquote, drove this spaceship in. Like, was it its blob self? Was it, what the fuck was it while it was driving this spaceship? Yeah, you do question what its true form really is, and it's... it's... How is it controlled? Is it, is it controlled through, like, biometrics? Is it controlled through... I have, what if there are only questions like, with this movie? That that's the crazy part though. That's what I love because like, what if it was, what if the thing was something in space, right? 
like just a creature in space and then it it ended up infesting a ship and then the ship crashes because of that oh i like that theory too see that's this is open to interpretation so much that i truly love it i truly love that so um, yeah I didn't. I didn't necessarily think of it that as that open. But then again, I might be inserting. I mean, did they things. ever like fully? I mean, they didn't explain it to that depth. So taking it to that depth, it truly is left up to the watcher to that depth. True. Mm-hmm. True. Because we do find out that the spaceship was at least a uh, hundred thousand years old, as they said. So my thought was, were there more? If so, how, did they die? And if they didn't die, where are they? And it why uh, they said this one like ejected itself or something like that because the the hole was found like near the spaceship or whatever. So I don't know. It I could guess have it, been integrated into the ship and then ejected itself from disintegrated from the, the ship. <laughs> they, I, I imagine. I honestly, I imagine like a whole Among Us game, and then as like. <laughs> They kicked this guy out, but before they kicked it out, he just decided to take the whole entire ship with him. So he like ripped out the engine or something, and it just fell to Earth. That was actually a Among Us conspiracy theory that the true owner of the ship is the imposter, and the rest of the people are the uh, what is the word invaders per se, the uh, people who aren't supposed to be there. Ooh, okay. space politics. Space treason. I like this. Space treason. Space treason. Yeah. Space treason. <laughs> Hashtag space treason. Um, there's another famous actor in this movie by the name of Keith David. He is a black man who has been in every black movie I've ever seen. Um, but I he's mainly, he's mainly determined by his voice. He's a skinny young guy here. He's one of the final survivors along with Keith, uh, not Keith Urban, of uh, Kurt Russell. And he has a line when they're examining, like, the videos of the spaceship and everything. He's like, I can't believe any of this voodoo bullshit, which is hilarious to me because he goes on to voice the Shadow Man in Disney's Princess and the Frog, <laughs> where he does a whole song about voodoo. So I thought that was pretty funny. But, uh, you know, another famous actor. I think he's he's famous for um, some of those uh, Tales from the Hood movies where he does, like, a bunch of horror. <laughs> yeah. He's just a nice guy. Just a, I'm glad he survived this movie because it's like, yeah. Well, Did he survive this movie? About that. <laughs> Do y'all want to talk about the end now or, or later? I don't know. We're already there, aren't we? Let's talk about it because I mean a lot of this movie is just it's you know it's pretty basic. I don't think you can spoil too much out of it. It's the alien shape shifts into different things and kills people one by one. It's there's a lot of great death scenes we can touch on. But I think the main debate about this movie is who lived and who died? Who's a thing and who's not? Kurt, Kurt Russell or Keith David? Who, who's who's you guys betting on? Was it the black guy or the white guy? Who's the thing? Um, I, I've actually done, like, looked at some deep dive videos and stuff, and it looks like it's the black guy. <laughs> because uh, apparently they used, they used a kind of um, light glint in people's eyes, so... If you weren't infected, you could see the light reflecting off of um, that person's eyes. And if you, they were infected, then their eyes would just be dark. And that guy's eyes were dark. So. <laughs> Interesting. What about you, Hector? Uh, honestly, when I got to the end, 
and I saw the two of them. I did not expect either of them to be infected. I thought it was a sad ending of two healthy individuals slowly dying in a cold death from having blown up the base to stop the mutant from, you know, getting into the outer world. Um, so I just thought they were two, you know, normal dudes that just had to die from hypothermia. You know. So wow, that's that. news to me, but damn! <laughs> that's, uh, I mean, they did destroy the entire place, so what else can you yep. do but just die? I mean, I, yeah, yeah, I just thought they were just going to slowly die. That's what I, I used to think until I did also look up some stuff this time around looking at it, looking at it. Right. Um, based on the re, based on the the 2011 movie again, spoilers, so skip ahead. But um, based on that movie, the theory is that Kurt Russell is actually the thing, and the black guy Keith David here or Childs, I think is his character name. Childs is the one that is human and will go on to survive because in the 2011 movie, the way that they de- determine who's the thing and who's not is not by the blood, but that the thing cannot imitate inorganic material. So in that movie, a lot of people who have silver caps in their teeth, if the thing transformed into them, the teeth would fall out. Or if they have an earring, the earring would fall out because it can't re, uh, it can't, you know, it can't create that. So at the end of this movie, Childs has on an earring, and so people are Whoa. like, if 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 he if it was him, that earring wouldn't be there at the end, but it's there. So they think it's uh, McCready who's the alien, which is fair. Yeah, but if I'm going to be real, I think it's just uh, I think (laughs) I think that it just found another dog to imitate and just ran off while they were just destroying the place. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like either way, they're just messed up. Like, you know, it's not it's not going well for either anybody. That's what I like to think. I think it just kind of slipped out the back door that no one saw. (laughs) I'm just gonna run off to another base. There is another base. There are three bases according to the re- to the 2011 movie too, because uh, in the book there's a Russian base that no one really talks about, Ooh. but it always gets mentioned. So it could be another another thing going on. Although it would... of the reboot. Ooh, ooh, okay. Look at you using that brain that I. Okay, I didn't. Think yeah, about I was that. about to say, is it canon like connected or? I hope it is filled with women, though, because I would like to see a version of this movie filled with women, because I think it would make smarter choices, maybe. I think I don't care. I think just make the characters good. I don't don't care. Just don't give us a full female cast and make them really stereotypical or annoying or ultra-political. Or uh, very cheesy. Yeah, yeah. Don't make it a girl power movie. It's like trying to make Alien a girl power movie. They're just beating the shit out of the fucking xenomorph the whole time. Like, that's not how it goes. You can have girl power without a full cast of just girls. Yeah, I mean... Alien as it is right now, in the that is a girl power movie, I would say. Because, oh yeah, what? Uh, Alien, uh, the, the one with Ripley. The first one. Wow. Yeah. Wait, the one. Be. The very first one. The very very first one. No, the one with the, wait, the wait, one with the cat. Aliens. aliens no, Alien. 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 I thought. Wait, wait, no, Aliens is the one where they all just die. Never mind. Aliens, aliens is yeah. eighty six. Alien is yeah. the first one. Aliens is the second one where they. With what's the Al- name? What's the actress's name? In uh, Alien? Alien is seventy nine. 
aliens the way stuff. the way i differentiated is that alien is a slasher movie while aliens is a war movie war. yeah yeah like alien yeah that one is just is they're they're described as space truckers they don't really do much but yeah. in aliens she gets uh she gets grouped up with a bunch of like military guys you said the first movie is a girl power movie yeah, it, it it's a slasher movie, so it automatically kind of goes into that whole girl power thing. Because the, no. the main the main character is a strong female lead who is the main one really figuring things out and working through everything. It's yeah, a it's I don't a girl think power. I have movie. watched this first one. I smell a, smu- a well, future gonna, series. Yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna watch that at some point. I don't know if it's on. I, I gotta put it on a schedule at some point. Either way, I have it on um, uh, off of Walter. I have your Amazon Prime. Yeah. So if we're if me and him are hanging out with a bunch of other people, or whatever, I'll suggest it as something to watch, and we'll see if it happens. I suggest watching it in the dark as well as this movie. I think this movie does well in the dark. Like this is a yeah. fun movie to put on like on a Sunday afternoon, and it's like dark and cold outside. Like this is a great this is a great watch. This and Alien. This and Alien does make a really good like double feature yeah for sure if you want to make it a triple put it in the hateful eight but then again that movie by itself is like four movies long so (laughs) thank you tarantino um another iconic aspect of this movie is when the thing like transformed into like smaller things i love the head spider like that thing is awesome oh god (laughs) it goes from like stomach mouth to head spider to like a bunch of other things just crawling around like i think it's awesome oh. i hate the head crabs in um fucking alien so that just fucking oh god it got me <laughs> yeah it was it was so iconic i was like i love it i would like you know if it wasn't so evil i'd keep it as a pet of course you would. <laughs> god dye its hair maybe give it a tan like you know no dip it in lava I hate it. <laughs> fucking murder it please it reminds me of what, uh, what is it, Rick and Morty? I'm acid proof. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Oh, my God. Uh, this movie's awesome, but it does keep that 80s. I want to, I don't know, like, why was this movie not that big? I guess it's my question, because this seems like it's a, it's a, it's not that long of a movie. It moves fairly quickly, fairly quickly, and it long just. Wrong time, wrong place. Yeah, I think so. I, yeah, I guess. Yeah, again, smack dead in the middle of summer. You know, it's in the middle of the 80s, too. So it's full on, like, John Hughes, Steven Spielberg. So uh, I guess you, I guess that answers my question. That was, the, that was the last question I had on my list here. Um, <laughs> uh, I I don't really know what else to say. Aside from wrong time, wrong place, I mean, what what season would you guys place as, like, a good horror release date? Because you said it was released in the summer? Yeah, it was released in June. So like if it was first... released during, you know, October, it could have had a little bit more success. Actually, I think this movie will probably do really well in January. Like, January just beginning of the year. Too. Yeah. Yeah. And not just because we watched it in January, but, like, I think, I genuinely think that if I was in the 80s, I'd be like, now, I may be an intern, but maybe we should release this not, you know, right after E.T. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. Well, it does really well for January, just 
You know, yeah, the snow like, aspect and the wintery like aspect. Plus, like, there's no movies. No good movies are ever put in January. So January, put a, the feeling of isolation and, you know, I don't know. About <laughs> January feels like a very... Yeah, or even February, make it a bromance movie. I think this is a could be a nice <laughs> romance movie going on here. It could it could have united the race. It could have ended not, the whole. Do not make it a February movie, <laughs> no, please. Just, just because there's so, there's so much like distrust and um, <laughs> oh god, I didn't think about that. That's just another... like no, that is asking to cause another riot, dude. <laughs> oh, yeah. Are you a thing? So this this movie this is a good movie again I like John Carpenter I think I don't think this is his best day well this is a weird one because I, a lot of people kind of think this is his best directed movie I think Halloween is directed okay but that is a cheap movie too um I really like Christine. He doesn't like Christine, though. <laughs> I think Christine... I, I don't know. This one may be his best directed movie. Um, but I would think Christine. But then we also have two other movies in this that um, that are also very famous. And people... It has its fans. So um, I guess later on in this series, when we get to The Prince of Darkness and In the Mouth of Badness, we will see if John Carpenter does well enough. I But I don't know. What makes a, what makes a director's movie his best movie? I think if you can think... I think if you could remember a single iconic shot that he places in every single one of his movies, that makes it better. This is kind of me talking to myself here. I know that. Um, I, this, I have no idea what you mean. <laughs> John Carpenter, the director. Um, I don't know if you remember Shelton, but in Halloween, he he does the kids uh, before Michael Myers goes to the house. The kids are watching the thing from another world, which is the original. You know, yeah. Yeah. So he's he's a big fan of that original movie, which is why he wanted to remake it. And I know in A Nightmare on Elm Street, Nancy is watching his movie, The Thing, and then later on she's watching Evil Dead. So, you know, there's some Easter eggs for you guys out there to go look back and listen to my podcast about it. <laughs> Self-plug there. I know we didn't really get too much into it, but again, this movie kind of self-explanatory. <laughs> I mean, it's there's some really great deaths in here. It's um, pretty cutthroat. Yeah, like, <laughs> my favorite one is, um, it is the guy with when he, uh, you know, he does the whole clear and then opens the chest. And oh man! <laughs> he loses both his arms. I'm like, oh, that's that's awesome. But uh, <laughs> followed up with the head spider. The yeah, way yeah, everyone just stood there, like as his <laughs> arms were gone, they're just like, oh, oh, we need to do something. Oh no! <laughs> oh, like he's just screaming and it's hilarious. Oh yeah, it jumps. It like it like sprouts off into the ceiling too. Like it just kind of sits there. So you got like three things running around in the same room. So it's so it's so it's so funny. Honestly. But the effects on this does look really good. Like it does hold up for nowadays. Like it wasn't too slow. It wasn't too fast. Or, you know, I think the makeup effects and everything, you know, the blood didn't the blood looked like blood. It didn't look like paint. Yeah. It does still hold up, which is very surprising. Extremely. I would say. Yeah. Especially with how old it is. Usually old movies, you look back and you're laughing at the effects. But here you're like, that's fucking nasty. <laughs> yeah, you know. You know, Shelton, you know what I thought about when people were bleeding in this movie? What? That's not cranberry sauce. That's not cranberry you. sauce. <laughs> Every no, time yeah, someone dude, started like bleeding. cranberry sauce. 
I was like, oh, that's blood rage. Um, but yeah. All right, let's just I'm gonna just get to it then because again, we I, I this movie is very self-explanatory. Um, I don't know if there's a lot of theme in this movie though. I mean, the theme is you know isolation and you know can you trust the people around you after you you know I think uh, it's just feeding on the whole cabin fever aspect of it, but it, it mm-hmm. does. And I don't know if it takes the Lovecraft theme to heart while being inspired by it it kind of it kind of just takes a surface level which works for me it definitely works for me but i don't know does it work for you guys or did you want more of that existential um beyond human comprehension aspect um i think for what the story itself is and what they did with it it took enough it took as many aspects from it that it needed to make itself a successful story without trying to overcomplicate itself. Cause I feel like if it did more, it would be doing a bit too much for what it was. Yeah. Sometimes you can, uh, I, I really like the mysterious aspect of it. So for what they did, for what they, uh, for what they were going for, they did a pretty great job. Left a lot of, uh, open-ended questions unanswered pretty great for for the genre they're not the type of questions that leave you at a dead end they're the kind that really open up and expand the universe so i think it works true yeah. true i guess my other question would be do you want those questions answered or do, would you rather them because it seems like they just kind of keep telling the same story over and over again. <sighs> every uh, time i want to say yes but every time they do get answered it just ends up worse than where we left off when they were unanswered like, never looking mind, at, make it not canon, please. Yeah, yeah, looking back at, like, other sequels yeah, and how others have turned out, I I would say maybe it's just best off to leave some things unanswered. Yeah, I, I can't think of tons and tons of sequels, you know. Jason's actually a, uh, a heart that you can eat, and he just becomes you. Or, you know, Michael Myers become, belongs to two different cults at the same time. And there's a baby that might be his, that also might be his niece. Um, Freddy Krueger is the son of a nurse, or not a nurse, but of a, of a of a nun who was raped by a bunch of maniacs. And somehow that gave him dream powers. Like, that can, one it, actually... Yeah, that one actually kind of holds. <laughs> just, because, just because that one... <laughs> that one's... It's a like weird a, one. Uh, yeah. I hadn't heard it. I hadn't heard it placed like that. I don't think I've watched enough Freddy Krueger. Freddy Krueger movie. Oh yeah, look, Dream Warriors is the best Nightmare on Elm Street movie, and that one does explain where. I think Freddy I watched the from. first one um, back in October, but hey, did not we love We stand, Freddy. On this, on that note, uh, do you guys recommend? John Carpenter's The Thing from 1982. Let's start with Hector since he's our new guy here. I'd probably uh add out of ten. Mm, no, we're gonna cut back that. Cut that. Put it a uh, seven out of ten. Seven out of ten recommendation. Uh, probably like a four and a half out of five. That I don't know if the math adds up. I don't think it does. Three and a half out of five. <laughs> um, I I would tell you to watch it. Want to watch it again? Yeah. yeah, I would watch it again. I'd watch it twice, maybe even three times. Hey, that's nice. What about you, Shelton? Oh, definitely. I really do recommend. I feel like it's it's one of those cult classes you have to watch at some point, and uh, especially 
even if you don't like old movies, just because it holds up enough to not really feel that. It doesn't even feel like an old movie. Exactly. Except all the beards. I don't, the beards get to me. All the beards. <laughs> I mean, that's wrong. Their beards were just too much. Like it was just two beards. Like it was just too many beards going on. They're out in the Arctic. What do you expect them to do? <laughs> to shave. God damn it. Sometimes yep. you just stop caring. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. He was living in a shed outside for like a like at the start of the movie. I love how they locked the guy in that shed too, and he was like, "I'm gonna kill myself. Get me out of here." <laughs> He just had a noose tied at the like the ceiling of it. But um yeah, I agree with you guys. Obviously, I recommend the thing. Um it's a classic, it's a cult classic. Um it's it I don't think it's looking back and based on because I am a you know film fan and director uh fan first, I don't think it's while I, I think it may be John Carpenter's best directed movie is not my favorite i think christine is a much better movie and much more entertaining uh but the story here is just like beyond that it's you know it's kind of pop culture at this point but this movie is great it's got great effects great deaths um a lot of shouting and a lot of snow and i like it uh do i i recommend it to people out there um this goes into my tier of Sunday movies where if you're very lazy on a Sunday and you just want to like relax and you just curl up on a couch with whoever you're with and just watch a bunch of movies this one is definitely one that you can pop in on a Sunday and then like take a break after and then continue on your little marathon there so yeah that's my recommendation uh out of out of 10 I'm a lean towards a solid Actually, no, I think because I rated it on my on Letterboxd. I think it's a 10 out of 10, honestly. Maybe a 9 out of 10. I think so, too, honestly. I think 9.5. Nine, yeah, somewhere. I, I'm going I'm to give it a solid 9. Thanks, thanks, guys, for joining me on this podcast and our first episode back in the new year, 2021. The year of our Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's here, Shelton. I don't think he's here. Oh, oh God. I don't think he's here right now. He might Only show up. Only 11 days in, dude. But, um. never came back. And on the, on the, what, ninth day, they tore down the Capitol. So. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Thanks, guys, for joining me. Uh, it's great having you guys on. Um, I hope we can continue in this little series. Next week, we'll be doing uh, The Prince of Darkness. And uh, we will see where that brings us on this cosmic horror journey that we're on. Will I like it? Probably not. Will you guys like it? <laughs> will Shelton like it? Definitely. I think uh, it's great having Hector here to be our little middleman on this little thing here. We'll see where this takes us. We shall. <laughs> cosmic journey takes us. All right. So that's our show. Thank you. For everybody that's listening, if you want more of the Murderboard podcast, you can find us on Instagram at Murderboard underscore pod and on Twitter at Murderboard the. There you can ask questions and leave comments about the show. Please don't forget to share the show and uh, share it with your family and friends. You can find us on most of your favorite podcast networks, such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and right here on Anchor. Also consider supporting the podcast and helping us sustain future episodes such as this by hitting the support slash link down below in the show notes. Look for new episodes on Fridays and Sundays, and we will catch you again 
on the murder board. 